How are you doing today? Everyone's feeling good? Good to be in the house of the Lord. It's just great to be in God's presence and to just worship and to remind ourselves that God reigns above it all. You know, it's easy to be distracted by other voices and other things and other circumstances, and it's easy to believe that that thing or that circumstance reigns above it all. But it's good to be reminded today, and sometimes we just need a good reminder. And Anybody else need just a good reminder that God is still God, He's still good, He's still in control, and uh, I believe today that we serve a God of miracles, and that we're going to talk about that today. If you're joining us online, as Pastor Nick and, and Wendy's already said, God, we want to welcome you to church. Thanks for tuning in with us. We hope that wherever you're watching from, you're engaging with us and leaning in with us as you open God's Word. Uh, if you're with us, you can open your book, your, your Bibles, or your app to the, the event app and you version, or your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be hanging out there a little bit today. Uh, but we're in this series called God of Miracles. God of Miracles. And here's what we know about miracles. The, prerequis- the prerequisite for a miracle is what? Is an impossible situation, isn't it? It's an impossible situation, and I firmly believe, and this is sort of the big idea that we're going to just say over and over again, that we serve a God of miracles, that nothing is impossible for God. And so we are going to lean into that idea. See, we all have this common need for a miracle, don't we? Especially all that's un- with all that's unfolding in our world today, we all have this intrinsic desire, this need for a miracle. The, the reality is we have the shared reality of this human experience that we, that we all hit our limits, that we all hit the limits of our own abilities, don't we? We all fall short. We all need help at some point or another where we need God to intervene on our behalf. Our, our verse, our root verse, our theme verse for this series is found in Psalm 77. It says, what God is like our God? What God is like our God? You are the God who performs miracles and you display your power among the peoples. This is the God that we serve. This is the revelation that the psalmist declared that there is no other God while there may be small g gods trying to rise up in our world. There's no other God like our God who performs powers and displays His miracles. See, what's the definition of a miracle? We talked about this a little bit last week. We're just kind of laying the foundation or the framework again for those who are joining us for the first time. What a miracle is an extraordinary event that that manifesting as a divine intervention into human affairs. This is what the the baseline definition of a miracle is. Miracles happen when God intervenes with our lives. And many of us have sat here and we've experienced these moments where the presence of God and the power of God and the person of God intervenes with our life. It's when God's power collides with our reality. It's where God marries, I like to say, his super to our natural. And we have this supernatural transaction or supernatural experience i've discovered for myself that it's easy to believe that the that god has lost his recipes for miracles it's easy to believe at times that the well of god's miracles has run dry but i believe with my whole heart that god is still a god of miracles that he's still moving today right now in our world and in your world that we do serve a God, a miracle-working God. And my heart for this series and our heart for this discussion is not to try to convince you per se, but allow the Holy Spirit to make 
this revelation real to all of us individually, myself included, so that we can continue to lean in and trust the God of miracles. Last week, we said that it all starts with by anchoring in hope, being anchored in hope. See, we all face storms. We face physical storms. Sometimes we face emotional storms or even these spiritual storms that would set us up against God. But the writer of Hebrews encourages us that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And that I believe the greatest miracle we all can experience is not what happens on the outside, but what God wants to do on the inside. We are anchored when we cultivate God's presence, when we remember God's promise, and when we trust God's process. And so if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go back and watch that again. It's on our website. But today I want to discuss and bring to light a miracle that many of us, I believe, need today. Something that I have been feeling for myself, I've been hearing repeatedly in conversations and even seeing in others. Like the miracles of Jesus calming the storm, I believe this moment, I believe this moment speaks to an issue far beyond the surface, the surface of the physical, but it actually goes deeper, deeper, and we all need Jesus' touch. You see, Luke kind of shares this story of Jesus healing a leper. And to somehow describe how someone who was diseased, they were socially isolated, disconnected, even banished from society, and how those type of people could call upon the name of Jesus in our time of need. And I want to kind of camp out on this verse and this just kind of chunk of verses and see if God could speak to us in our situation, maybe some of the things that we have been feeling these last several months or even years. And so it's found in Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read it. We're going to kind of stop and read about it and understand it a little bit differently. But it starts like this in verse 12. It says, while Jesus was uh, in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. Now leprosy, for those of us who don't know what leprosy is, it's a bad situation, right? It is not good. It is not something you look for. It's not something you want to have. It's a growing, contagious skin condition with no cure, especially at this time. And this created this physical sores. It was obvious it was on your body, this skin condition that was on your body. But not only was it a physical condition, but this physical condition made you unclean. This physical condition made you dirty. It made you unworthy to be part of community. So it isolated you. If you were diagnosed with leprosy, you had to then uproot your home and move to the outside of town. You're no longer able to live with your family members. You're no longer to live with your loved ones. You had to separate yourself and live outside of town. So you can only imagine the emotional strain that that would put on anybody who has got the physical disease of leprosy. And not only does it create this emotional strain of disconnection, it creates a spiritual void. Because you and I who live in this New Testament church, we understand that that God's presence doesn't reside only in this building. It's not contained to the confines of this space. But we, in fact, are the temple of God. That God goes with us where we are, the temple of God is also the presence of God is there also. But in the New Testament church at this point still, the presence of God resided where? In the tabernacle, in the church, in, among, in, in the physical location of where God was met. So not only now are you physically hurt, 
Not only now are you emotionally distraught, but you are spiritually desperate. You are socially isolated. You are a social outcast. Can you imagine when you come into town to get your needs or to provide for what you need to do, you're covered and you have to yell to others, unclean! Unclean! Sometimes you would even wear a bell to let others know so when you walked into, those, into town, when you walked into the community, they could gather away. They could run away for fear of catching this disease. Now, I know many of us, very few of us struggle with leprosy. But I think these last few years, some of us can relate to some level of the emotional trauma or the emotional stigma that someone like that would be going through. Some of us have experienced this idea of being unclean, of being dirty, of being contagious, and the emotional trauma that that puts on all of us when it comes to in proximity with our loved ones. And can you imagine this year after year? The Bible doesn't tell us how long this man was, had, had, had uh, leprosy, but it does say he was covered with it, which means he, it probably has been growing over time. He, it's been something he's been holding on to for a long time. And so this is the situation. This is the desperation. This is the, 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 the physical, spiritual, and emotional state of this man that we just get a, one little glimpse of. And so in this situation, he sees Jesus. He, he sees Jesus in proximity. And when he sees Jesus, he said he fell on his face to the ground and he begged him. He begged him, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Come on, he, he drove through this idea of begging. You ever been to that place where you've been so desperate that you begged? Have you ever been to that place where you've been so desperate for a solution, for a response, for an answer, that you fell on your knees and you begged? Have you been so desperate for the presence of God or for something where you didn't care what anybody else thought, you didn't care about the uncomfortableness or the awkwardness of it all, but you just ran into the opportunity and grabbed a hold of what could be the best day or the better day of your life, the answer to your prayers? This man didn't care where he was or who was around him. He saw Jesus. He fell on his face and he begged, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And here's this beautiful moment how Jesus responds. And not like the Pharisees or the teachers of the law who no doubtedly had turned their back on him because they couldn't touch ceremonially. They'd be ceremonially unclean. They couldn't touch this leper. But Jesus reached out, it says. He reached out his hand and he touched him and he says this beautiful passage. He says, I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. I am willing, he says, be clean. And immediately the, lepros the leprosy left. Immediately the leprosy left. You see, the religious leaders couldn't touch Jesus. They were afraid of being contaminated. But instead of Jesus being defiled, the power of Jesus went through and healed the man. And this is a beautiful story. We could stop right here and we can just say, look at the amazing interaction that Jesus healed, the physicalness, the physical situation of this man, this, this desperate man covered with the disease. We could just say that is a great story, a great testimony, but it doesn't stop there. See, this is amazing, but I believe the greater miracle is what took place after the miracle. The greater miracle is what took place 
after the miracle. The first miracle, I believe, was just the setup for the grand finale, for the next thing that Jesus saw, where Jesus addresses the issue beyond the issue. And we, we, we keep going in the next, next part of the verse. It says, then Jesus ordered him. He says, don't go tell anybody, but what? Go show yourself to the priests. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded about cleansing as a testimony, as a testimony to God's power for God's miracle at work. Yet the news about him spread all the more. And so the crowds of people came to hear and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I just think this is a beautiful moment that we can easily skip over and and maybe not fully understand. But Jesus doesn't just heal the physical needs. He doesn't just stop there. Jesus spoke to the emotional and the spiritual needs as well by, by telling him to present himself to the priest he, and offer sacrifices. One, he's acknowledging the power of God. He's acknowledging that I am healed through the power of God. We're, we're acknowledging the miracle of power of God. But more than that, beyond that, he's inviting him back into community. He's inviting him back into connection with God and with others. No longer do you need to be isolated. No longer do you need to be separated. No longer do you need to be uh, on the outside, but we're inviting you back into community with God and relationship with God and others to embrace the new life that Jesus provided for him. I just think this is a beautiful story that speaks to all of us of where we're at. You see, one of the very first, I, th- I just love you know, when you read the Gospel of Luke and you, you see kind of how it all transpires of Jesus' ministry, you know, Luke, uh, Luke tells the story of how Jesus goes in the wilderness. He's his 40 days in the wilderness and, he, and he's preparing for ministry. When he's done the wilderness, he has a few miracle interactions where he heals some people. And then it goes on where he starts calling as his first disciples. And he starts, as some of his first disciples are recorded were Peter and Andrew, James and John. He starts calling these people in to follow him and be fishers of men, remember? But as he goes on, the, one of the very first moments, the very next interaction that Jesus has with this, with this man with leprosy, with his disciples. And I love, I love that this first miracle that he's presenting to his disciples, that he's using as a way to demonstrate his power and also the kingdom of God and the heart of God, is connecting someone from isolation into community. He's showing Peter and Andrew, and James, and John, to not discriminate against people, but to invite people in. What was one of the very first, um, one of the very first awareness, or very first observation that Jesus had when he created Adam and in humanity? Well, as we found it in Genesis 2.18, what does he say? He says, it's not good for someone to be alone. This is his very first observation when he created humanity it's, it's not good for them to be alone. And I love, I love, I love that the miracle that Jesus took place, that took place in this story, isn't that he just healed him physically, but he actually healed him emotionally and spiritually and actually reconnected him back into community. And here's what I'm discovering, and here's what I'm seeing, and here's what I'm sensing, and here's what I'm trying to find voice to articulate, and hopefully you're hearing my heart today is that this last season has really been a season, or a pandemic rather, of isolation and loneliness. Many of us, whether we have been sick or not, have felt the effects of isolation, loneliness, 
disconnectedness. Many of us have felt like we're on the outside looking in. We've all felt that. To me, this is a shared human experience that all of us have felt at one point or another. See, I believe this story gives voice to this feeling that we've been feeling, this isolation, loneliness, separation. See, what started out as a precaution quickly turned into a practice that reshaped our perspectives of one another. And for many, the isolation and loneliness slowly became not just a necessary precaution, but even an acceptable way to live. Some of us have convinced ourselves we're better this way. Some of us have convinced ourselves nobody really misses me anyway. Some of us have convinced ourselves that it's just an easier way to live. As I was studying for this week, I started researching that the relationship between loneliness and starvation, and actually there's a lot of similarities between the two. You see, what happens when, at the beginning of both, is you actually feel the pains of it, right? You feel the pains of hunger, and you also feel the pains of loneliness. When all of us can attest to this two years ago, when this whole process started, we felt the pains of separation, right? We feel the pains of hunger, but eventually what happens, eventually you stop feeling the pain. Eventually, they subside. Not because they go away. Not because it becomes right, but because we become numb. Because we become numb to it. And while we know, and like the person who is starving, while they know they should eat, while they know they have to eat, while they know that is the only way we're going to survive, when you read documentation of the the process of starvation, it tells you that they actually don't even desire to eat. They don't have no willpower. They don't desire to eat. And like many of us, and I can, I, I can felt it in myself, so I know this is to be true for many and in my conversations, is that at some point you get to this place where you know you need to engage. I know I need to push through. I know I need to connect. I know I need to reach out, but I just don't have the energy to do it. I wonder if you can relate. But I believe there comes a moment in all of us, we're like the leper. Something needs to shift inside of us. And we have to give ourselves permission again to get desperate. Permission again to push beyond the awkward and the uncomfortable and allow Jesus to heal us from the inside out. And you're sitting here like, but you don't know my situation. You don't know how hard it is or how bad it is or what my family dynamic is like. You don't know me, but here, I, you're right, I don't. I don't know the details of your story, but here's what I do know. Is that the, prerequis- the prerequisite for a miracle is what? Is an impossible situation. And as impossible as the situation you may find yourself in, you are simply a candidate for the supernatural power of God to make its power at work in you. To be like the leper who desperately pushes, pushes through the uncomfortable and the awkward and to lead in and receive a miracle. Our needs, our problems, our dilemmas, our limitations, our hurts simply make us a candidate for the supernatural power of God at work in our lives. So do you need a miracle? 
And I need you to hear me today. I, I, I believe in physical miracles. I believe that God wants to heal your bodies. I believe God wants to make your body well. But this body is not, it's just a, it's just a, 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 a casing of something that's going to live on for eternity. And I believe God's biggest priority is not just healing your body, though he does want to do those. Scripture proves that God wants to heal you physically. More than that, though, God wants to heal you emotionally and even more so spiritually to reconnect your heart to the Father so that your eternal body, your eternal being, will live with God forever. I believe that is the greatest miracle you and I will ever face on this side of the earth. I believe that with my whole heart. And so while the physical is awesome, it's always there to point people to the spiritual. Always there to point people to Jesus. And so as we look at this story, as we look at this encounter, I believe there are three aspects of Jesus' character that particularly position him to make miracles happen in our lives. And I want to just share with these with you quickly today. The first is I want you to see in this story is that Jesus is a noticer. He notices you. He sees you. Jesus is fully aware. Hear me now. Jesus is fully aware of your specific situation. He is fully aware of the specifics surrounding your circumstances and the details of your situation. And like, and like the leper, we can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, if you are willing, can you heal me? And I love how Jesus not only sees what others sees, but he sees beyond what others see. He doesn't just heal the physicalness and the physical sores that other people see, but he heals, he heals, and he responds to the prayers that no one else sees. Nothing we experience surpasses him. He, and he notices us because he knows us. He knows us. I love how the psalm, psalmist in 139, he says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and what? You know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away, even when I'm not even following you, even when I'm distant, even when I turn my back. You know me. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say even before I say it. We serve a God who knows you. He, he notices you. And I love how Jesus then personifies this revelation in his first conversation with Nathaniel, one of his disciples. There's this moment where Nathaniel, and we don't have the full details of the story, where Philip, a disciple of Jesus, calls Nathaniel, a friend, a friend of his, and says, we found the Messiah. Come and see the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel has this kind of statement, what good thing can come from Nazareth? Anyways, as Jesus meets Nathaniel, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus responds to me and says, I saw you. I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now listen, we, we, only can, get a, we can only assume the situation that Nathaniel was in as he was sitting under the fig tree. We don't, we only, we don't get to understand the full extent of, of his situation or what led him there, what circumstances or what emotional trauma or, or life happened or what desperation or what kind of darkness he found himself in. But, we, but Jesus is saying, listen, at the darkest moment of your life, when you felt like you were questioning everything, when you weren't sure who the Messiah was or what your purpose on life was, when you were at your darkest moment, Nathaniel, I want you to know that I saw you there. I saw you. And it seems this one moment, this one interaction, this one conversation 
with Jesus and Nathaniel. Nathaniel changes his life around and begins to follow Jesus. Because Jesus notices you. When other people overlook you, when other people look beyond you and look through you, Jesus sees you. He notices you. Jesus saw the leper who was desperate for help. Jesus sees you in your unspoken requests for help. Jesus sees you. Secondly, we see in here is that Jesus is a reacher. He reaches out. I love this. Jesus, he reaches through the cages we find ourselves in. And we are never invisible or forgotten. We are never overlooked by him. When others run away, when we come into town, you know, like the leper, when others turn away and run away, what does Jesus do? Jesus turns in and runs towards. Jesus reaches out his hand. He reaches into your situation and gives us exactly what we need. And he can reach into your darkest moments. He can reach into your desperate situations. You are never too far. You are never too broken. You are never too contagious for the touch of Jesus. And the heart of the gospel, this is the heart of the gospel, is that while we were still sinners, while we were broken, while we were lost, while we were confused, while we were contagious, while we were sick, Christ died for us. He came in, he came in, he reached into our situation to make a way. This is the heart of the gospel in John 3.16. Many of us know this off by heart, but for God, what? So loved the world that he gave. He reached in and he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. And it goes on, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, to restore the world, to bring, make new the world through him. See, some of us need to be reminded here today that Jesus didn't come in the world to reprimand you. Jesus didn't come in the world to discipline you. He didn't come in the world to scold you. He didn't come in the world to show you just how bad you are. Jesus came into the world to reach out, to redeem, to restore the relationship between God and his creation, his most prized creation. He wants to reach out into your situation. He wants to restore you back into relationship with himself and with one another. That's the heart of the gospel. This is the good news. This is why Jesus reaches out. And the third issue, the third character is that Jesus is a healer. He's a healer. This is the heart of Jesus. He is willing to perform and he's able to perform miracles in our lives. This is, we see this through scripture. As you read the gospels, we recognize the over 35 plus miracles that Jesus alone performs through the acts of the gospels. Did Jesus, when Jesus touched the leper, the disease didn't go into Jesus, but healing went from Jesus into the leper. And so no matter what your situation, no matter what your need or your problem, your dilemma or your hurt might be, I believe you are a candidate, as we said before, a candidate to experience the miraculous power of Jesus. You see, Jesus walked, when Jesus walked the earth, these situations were drawn into him. People were, it was like a magnet for all the miracles that could take place. And this speaks to his mission. This is why Jesus came. This is the hope in which we can hold on to. When Jesus went to the temple and he opened the, the scrolls, the Isaiah scrolls, and he went to this, this passage, he said, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim uh, that captives will be released and that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. 
See, Jesus' mission is to bring hope, healing, and holiness. To bring hope, healing, and holiness. To set us apart, to live a better life, to live a life connected with God and with one another. And there comes a point in all of our hearts where we need to be desperate for change. And here's what you want to, I want you to know today. When you leave this place, I want you to know that nothing is too hidden and nothing is too far for the reach of God. Nothing is too hidden in your life and you are not too far for the reach of Jesus in your life. And if you and I can adopt the attitude and the mindset and the courage of this leper where we lean into Jesus and we push through the awkward and we push through the uncomfortable and we fall to our face and we beg Jesus will you respond I love how Jesus will turn he sees you and he reaches out and he will speak healing into your life start the process of healing in your life see today I nominate you for a miracle I nominate you for a miracle. I nominate for your miracle. And I guess what? All of heaven seconds it. They're all in favor. You just simply need to say, I do. You just simply need to receive it today. You need to receive it by faith, the Bible says. And allow his power at work in your life. I invite you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. James tells us that when we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. There is His promise. There is His promise that when we step into Him and we lean into Him and we approach Jesus, He will respond to us and He'll draw near to us. And so today, maybe you feel distant. Maybe you feel disconnected. Maybe you feel distracted. My prayer today is that you would muster enough courage to say this prayer, Jesus, if you're willing, Jesus, if you're willing, will you heal me? Jesus, if you're willing, will you restore me? Jesus, if you're willing, will you make me new? Jesus, if you're willing, will you forgive me? Jesus, if you're willing, will you reconnect me back into community with yourself and with others? And hear the voice of the Lord as he speaks over that prayer today. He says, yes, I am willing. I'm willing. So there's two prayers I want to pray with you today. And the first prayer is the prayer of reconnecting to God. Maybe you're here and you feel distracted or dis disconnected from God. Maybe, maybe you've never even engaged a relationship with Jesus before. Maybe you've never had that connection and you're sitting here saying, I want to be connected to the healer. I want to be connected to the one who created me, who knows me, who saw me and loves me as I am. And you want to reach out to him or maybe you have been connected but you are so disconnected and you allowed circumstances and situations to pull you away and maybe God is saying, it's time to reconnect to me. It's time to engage to me. I want to, I, want to, I believe this is the greatest miracle we could all pray is this idea of receiving salvation through Christ. Romans 10.9 says, For if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, what? You will 
be saved. You will be connected. You will be restored. You will be made new in Christ. And so today, if that's you and you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, I want to pray this prayer. And as I pray this prayer, I want you to just make this prayer your own. Make this prayer your own as you lean into Jesus. It says, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am and for loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. I believe you came into my brokenness. You died for my sins and you rose again so that I could be made new. And as much as I know now, I want to follow you. Please come into my life and make me a new person from the inside out. I admit that I'm a sinner and in need of your saving grace. So today I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation through faith. And I commit to following you wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I believe that is one of the best prayers you could ever pray. If not the best prayer you could ever pray in your life. We want to connect with you after the service. But maybe you're here and you're in a relationship with God and you're you know, you feel okay, but maybe you've dis allowed yourself to disconnect from one another. I believe the next prayer of miracle is, is, a is the miracle of relationship, the miracle of connection, the miracle to say, I'm desperate to get back in. I'm desperate to reconnect. It's time to break the habit. It's time to break the habit. It's time to, to put the excuses aside. It's time to push through the awkward and the uncomfortable like the leopard and say, God, I need you to heal me. I'm begging for to be made new, to be restored. The band is going to sing a song, God of Miracles, we sang it last week. And I believe this is sort of the heart's cry of the series. That let faith arise, despite of what I see, Lord, I believe, so help my unbelief. Help me to choose to trust you, no matter what I feel. Let faith arise in me. And as a band leads this song, to, I, I, as an act of response or as an, as an act of prayer, as, as Roxanne leads us, what I want you to do is by faith, if you're here saying, God, I want to be reconnected, God, I want your heart to restore me back in a relationship with you and with one another, then I'm going to stand up and as, I'm going to let faith arise in me. As far as I know, as far as I feel, I know I don't have it all figured out and I know there's a lot of steps yet to take place, but God, by faith, I want to be reconnected by faith. I want to be healed from the inside out. And that's going to be our prayer as our final benediction. Are you with me? You get me? God, I just pray right now for each person in this room. God, I pray that you would help us understand your great love for us. God, that you desire to heal us from the outside, but more importantly, you desire to heal us from the inside. You desire to restore us back into community with yourself and with one another. And so, Lord, I pray that we would, like the leopard, push through, break through, become desperate for your presence, desperate for your healing, desperate for your touch, knowing by faith that when we reach out to you, you will respond to us. Let's pray. Let's worship together.